Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Michael gave me the subject of why is Christianity exclusive? Now, the easiest way to fix that subject up is to say there are well over 100 names in the Bible for Jesus and most of them are quite exclusive. So I could just pick on one name and we could all say Jesus is exclusive and we could all go out to lunch really early. You know, that would work. I mean, you take John chapter 1 verses 1 to 4, you get... In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was God, so Jesus is God, right? So that's pretty exclusive. And the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. Now, is that exclusive? Put your hand up if you think that's exclusive. I mean, that is pretty exclusive, isn't it? Okay, so should we go out for lunch now or not? Okay, so I think we'd need to come down a different track, okay? Uh, Jesus shows his exclusiveness another way. And so if you go, if you got your Bible out, if you go to Matthew chapter 11, uh, and starting at verse 2 through to Matthew 11 verse 15, and there we read, when John the Baptist heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about him. What what did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? Another prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not been uh, risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. For all the prophets and all the law prophesied until John, now if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who has to come. He who has ears to hear let him hear this is the word of the lord right so let's look at that passage and look at it in terms of how jesus proves his exclusivity it's really relative relative to us in this year Um, most of us have been affected by covid and will continue to be affected by covid and most of us probably have got the faith to believe we'll get through it one way or another but emotionally it still affects us. You know, one week one thing's happening and then another week and it really does change the way you feel and the way you see things. And it does actually alter the way in which you see faith as well, I think, to some extent. 
Um, so there is that side of things. Uh, pity poor Pieta who's locked up with Tom because they were in Brisbane and now in their flat on their own. Tell you what, she's in purgatory, that woman, that's for sure. <laughs> I thought I'd pick on Tom this morning. <laughs> so there are a lot of things that are going on. Some of us here, lecturers speak about the fact that Jesus is not the exclusive way to God or he's not exclusive much at all. And then we have disappointments that come our way and some of us are experiencing them today. So how does Jesus respond to our doubts? In verse 6 he says here, Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. The better translation, better translation is, Blessed is the one who is not offended at me, not offended at me. And the Greek word there is scandalon. And it basically means, Blessed is the one who is not scandalized by me. Uh, scandalize, to be scandalized, not to disagree, it's actually to be outraged at somebody, right? Really upset. So he's talking about those people that get really upset about him, all right? Jesus responds to the offense, and his response to people who find him offensive is to point out those who offend him and also point out those that see him as being exclusive and who are open to him. So he's really saying, let me show you three kinds of people who are open to me in this passage, he's saying that. And by the way of negation, those, three, those sorts of people that are close to me. So I want to look at the three kinds of people in this passage that actually see Jesus as being exclusively the way, okay? And they are the poor, the violent, and the least. Now, I like the middle one the best, actually, personally. But you can have your own choice on those. Each one shows us how we, are, how we need to be if we're going to be open to Jesus' claims, open to who he, who he is as a person exclusively. So going back into verse 5, Jesus says there, Go and tell John what you have seen and what you hear. In particular, the poor have the good news preached to them. That's what he talks about, the good news being preached to them there. And good news back then had a very specific meaning. It was used historically by certain people. For instance, Caesar Augustus actually was going to become uh, ordained or he had a coronation to become emperor of, of the Roman Empire. And the bulletin that went out uh, on behalf of his coronation was, this is the gospel according to Caesar Augustus. So it was a particular thing that was said. It was the gospel, the good news about the fact, well, he thought it was going to be good news for himself anyway, of great changes in the empire. So when we look at anything where the, the words in that time were used for good news or the gospel, it's about a historical event that brings great changes. Now, you need to hang on to that. Whenever you look at Jesus and who Jesus is, whenever he talks about the kingdom of God, you need to really hang on to the fact that he's saying there's something special going on in him, which is a historical event and which will change history as well. And why Jesus uses this is because he's saying basically my essential message is different in form from the other religions because good news is always an announcement about something that has been done for you. Uh, an emperor comes, you don't bring the emperor, the emperor comes to you and it's not actually something you do for yourself. So if you read about the historical beginnings of Buddhism, it's quite pleasant. Anyone read up on Buddhism? Anyone been a Buddhist in the house? They haven't. If you read about, I think his name is Gautama, is that right, Gautama? Um, he was a very wealthy prince. Uh, his father sheltered him from um, all outside influences, but he escaped one day from the palace 
uh, he escaped over four days actually and each time he went out he saw some tragedy or another and it just shocked him because he'd never heard of that sort of stuff before and then over a period of time he worked out the four noble truths which the Buddhist folks still use today the truth of suffering uh, the truth of the cause of suffering the end of suffering and the path that leads to the end of suffering that's the four noble truths of Buddhism if you want to know about Hinduism uh, Thevan is sitting over here uh, say hello to Thevan everybody please thank you now Thevan's mum and dad are Hindu folk right and through his teenage years into his early manhood he actually um, changed from being uh, from Hinduism to Christianity so if you want to know about what happens when people change and why Thevan thinks Jesus is exclusive ask the man he's worked it through pretty well and later on we're going to talk about the violence of the coming of the kingdom of God to change like that from a tradition that your family have had to another tradition which is exclusive like Christianity it is a violent experience believe you me so don't come to Christianity if you just want to tiptoe through the tulips So here we're talking about as interesting events as historical as interesting as historical events about Buddha or Muhammad or Hinduism is it's how you learn the way of salvation in these religions but in Christus in Jesus in Christianity we find out about the way of salvation and that is exclusive is that fair enough so that's the way to go God's come down literally from headquarters in up in headquarters in his and come down here in history and has broken through into our, into our universe the concrete slab between the ideal and the real is in that way but now the ideal has become real in our lives because of God coming down God has become human he's been crucified died on the cross and he's been raised from the dead and he has dealt with the barriers of sin evil and evil between us and God Christianity is very different Christian is the Christianity is the gospel the the historical good news it is exclusive he doesn't actually try and philosophically prove it he proves it through the fact of history and particularly of that first Easter firstly then I would say Jesus reckons the poor get it now I think that's pretty true most people generally uh, when, when they're poor will accept things that other folks uh, sort of see as being a bit mundane not always it's a, bit of, it's a thing that the poor as a class generally tend to get what Jesus tells John and us here sheds light on every, a very interesting phenomenon quite a lot of privileged classes the educated are quite happy to discard a lot of the historical information about Jesus things like miracles and uh, one man's atonement for the sins of the world they follow the essential teachings of Jesus against materialism and hate and selfishness that sort of stuff but you go elsewhere you go to the poor around the world and they believe in the blood they believe in miracles they believe in the resurrection so what's the difference in actual facts if you think about societies where people are fairly well off and they're fairly philosophical in some ways some of us who are in that situation can become quite patronizing and paternalistic about poor people who actually see things a different way we're self-made we're philosophically sound we've studied hard and worked hard and here we are freed of these old beliefs they want really an example and not a relationship in that situation 
And the results in belief, like Mike said about Richard Dawkins last night, can be quite catastrophic. Remember what he said about Richard Dawkins last week? Uh, it's worth going back and look at the podcast and look at that. That man really just thinks the world's his oyster about what he thinks and what he thinks should happen to people. A Baptist. Anyone hear Baptist from background? I like bagging Baptists, but I won't today because they're good people. All my family were one. I was supposed to be one, but I got lost somewhere along the line. Uh, A Baptist preacher called Spurgeon. uh, Have you ever heard of Spurgeon, Matt? Have you ever heard his name? Uh, He was in London. He he was there about 120 years ago. He's a classic example of of, uh, someone who actually proves the point about elitism. He was in preaching in London, right? And uh, the, 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 the hoi polloi, the intellectuals, just didn't like him much at all. A lot of them, anyway. They used to write in the paper about he looked like a, a peacock strutting across the stage, right? Can you picture him, this Baptist preacher in London, Metropolitan t- Tabernacle pulpit, going like that? And uh, he was a brilliant preacher and a great evangelist, actually. He's very good. Uh, you can read his sermons, providing you've got about three hours for each one, and there's a whole series of books about this thick on them. So, and they're these and thou, so it'll take you a while. Uh, he said about this situation, he says, why is it that in these days in London, it's said that the miracles are rather a trial, for, trial of faith rather than the support for it. They're a trial of faith, the miracles, rather than a support for faith. An unbelieving generation turns even food into poison. I like that. An unbelieving, I can see him saying it, this little guy on the stage going boof like this. An, an unbelieving generation even turns food into poison. And ask yourselves, am, am I into a relationship or a concept in terms of faith? An idea about ideas or about power? Uh, if you want the answer to that, Jesus says, look at the poor. Look at the poor and how they respond. In the early church, it was the poor where the gospel of the kingdom of God historically just went like that, all right? And it took over a whole empire in, in four centuries. It was brilliant what happened. And nearly all of the evangelists, and we get the evangelists in the Acts of the Apostles, but nearly all of the evangelists was done by tradies and those sorts of people. So if you're a tradie, good on you, mate, you know? Uh, they were the ones that, in a sense, gossiped the gospel between uh, the Middle East and Rome and then all around the world. It's the little people uh, we're thinking, of, we're doing work in the, with the Indonesian church here or some Indonesian churches here and I hope I don't die before we get over there to actually see how God is working under those conditions because you go to Nairobi like we were last Christmas or Indonesia like Neva and I have been before and you see faith blossom because people are little people in terms of how they see themselves in life and the gospel, they're very open to it. So the, it is the poor that receive the gospel. Second light of the violent. Now, I don't know how you go on that. Are you, did you receive the gospel with violence, you guys? Um, in verse 12, Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. Violent people have been raiding it. What do you make of that verse, you guys? If you've got your Bible out, uh, you can look at different translations. You'll see they're actually quite different. Uh, and it's to do with that word violent it literally Jesus is saying that in the past few years John the Baptist until him in that period of time till his, till his Easter the kingdom of God has been violencing he says and it's the violent who get it he says it's the violent who actually get what's going on here 
The Greek can go either way. Uh, so you can say the kingdom of God is receiving violence or suffering violence or handing out violence. The King James Version, the old version, says the kingdom of God suffereth violence. Or it can be translated the kingdom of God produces violence. Uh, I think Jesus is cutting both ways there, really. He says, firstly, on the one hand, the kingdom of God comes violently. Now, if you're a Christian that's come in from outside of, uh, the faith at all, you'll know that coming into Christianity, even into this congregation, it may be lovely in here, but it may not necessarily be lovely at home. If you understand what I mean, it can be pretty rough outside. Uh, and, but that's, that's the way of the kingdom of God. It, it's not necessarily an easy thing to come into. Follow Jesus and there'll be absolute upheavals in your life. Leaving the farm for me was really hard. I used to go and hug my horses at night and cry, sook that I am. And then I thought, I've got to get over this, so I sold them so I couldn't do it anymore and I couldn't change my mind. About four or five of them. There are forces coming down, violent upheavals that are striking, that change everything. All our priorities change when we come into the kingdom. If Jesus is who he says he is and we are to follow him, we can bet our socks that everything will change. Do not try and go back to what you were before. If you do, I will come after you. It does, on the other hand, mean that the kingdom of God suffers violence. Some of you may be thinking you've come here today to have a nice, quiet, you know, New Year's sermon and be encouraged and you're getting all this stuff on violence. But listen to me. Remember, Jesus never asked us to do anything that he's not prepared to do himself. He says to all of us that if we really want him and, he, and his kingdom, we need to know and hear him say that he's, he's had to suffer violence to come to each one of us. He's given up everything from up at headquarters to come down for each one of us sitting here today. Easter and the violence of sinful people and of divine justice all fell on him in history. The kingdom of God is not something for people who are not strong and don't want to, well, at least don't want to become strong. He says he suffered the violence of death to get to meet us and all he wants from us is for us to suffer the violence of life and that's what we'll find in 2021 there will be the violence of life around about us and that means surgery as well you know you go to a surgery and you say heal me and she'll put you under the knife and you've got to be totally vulnerable to the surgeon to her total stillness while she takes control give her total control of your life and it's pretty violent uh, but it's not the violence of death it's the violence of life you know you go to the surgeon she opens you up she does her stuff and you sit there and you, or lie there and sleep there and take it all, but it's the violence of life, not of death. I do like talking to people about who get agitated, as Jesus said, and want to take the kingdom of God by storm. Because they're always very interesting to talk to and you get some straight answers out of them rather than someone says, oh, I don't know, you know, leave me alone. I think it's great, all right? James Denny, who was a writer probably about the same time as young Spurgeon, said, the kingdom of heaven is not for the well-meaning but for the desperate. I think that's pretty true. 
and back on Spurgeon, the preacher, or I love this, a Sunday school teacher said to him once, you know, I've, I've been teaching Sunday school for 40 years and not one kid's become a Christian. And he says this, he says, the reason most likely is that you have never been violent about it. You've never been compelled by the divine spirit to make your mind, that, make up your minds that, that, the converted, that converted they will be and no stone will be left, no stone will be left untied. In other words, have you ever got to that stage where you are actually going for it? I find myself, and I, I find myself in my prayer, like I've got a, I'm lucky, I'm blessed. Uh, I've got a study, right, which I can go to and it's upstairs in the, you know, it's really a long way from Neva, so she doesn't know how mad I am. But I do find myself when I'm praying, the older I get, the more, because I speak in tongues as well, which is a good idea if you've got the gift, use it. If you haven't, well, then use some other gift. But um, I do find myself talking out quite loud and throwing my hands around. Maybe I have gone mad. Maybe I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, and it's not something I'm out all the time. I think, strike, I'd look stupid if someone saw me right now. But what I'm doing is I am trying to get some of the kingdom of God out and working in me and other people. Does that make sense? All right? A bit, and that, that's what we need to do. We need to be really excited about, in that sense of when you're on our own and you're, and you're praying, you're actually specifically going at it as hard as you possibly can. So that's all about the Bible. The third, is the, le- the third thing that Jesus says that we need is the least. Jesus says in verse 11, uh, tell, uh, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not been risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. To understand this, we need to hear what Jesus is saying about the poor. They are the ones who know that God's got to reach down rather than them reaching up because they've got nothing to reach up with. At this point and in this verse, Jesus gets to the heart of those who meet him. Jesus goes to Isaiah 35. If you're writing notes, look at Isaiah 35. And there we see the great prophet seeking God, uh, prophet seeing God come back and put everything right. The, that Isaiah is a prophet that could really get down to where God was at. So in, in chapter 35 of Isaiah, verses 3 to 6, you get, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give ways, Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams will flow in the desert. Now why does Jesus quote this in Matthew chapter 11? The blind seeing the deaf and all the rest of that. And the reason is John the Baptist, when he started to preach, was saying things like the axe is at the, at the base of the tree. There's one coming after me and he's going to pour out fire and the Holy Spirit, right? So he expected that sort of judgment to come in his own day. And the reason why they, he, he, and, and he's often seen as being the second Elijah, Elijah was much the same. And both of them got to the point where through their preaching, uh, public preaching, they were in a position where their heads were about to roll, all right? So they had second thoughts about what was going on. And in, uh, in um, uh, Elijah's case, um, he got to the stage where God had to sort of meet him and sort of sort him out. And so he's up in this cave and God says, just watch me pass by here. So there's a huge wind and God wasn't in the wind. 
and there was a huge earthquake and, and the Lord wasn't in the earthquake and there's a huge fire and God wasn't in the fire and then there was a little voice that comes along and what was the Lord saying to Elijah? He was saying to Elijah, I will come my way, a way you don't know about, in a silent way, in a weak way. Now the reason why John the Baptist, Elijah and most of us are wondering about the, the fact of the earlier Isaiah 35 thing is why it says there that God will come in vengeance but how does that work out in the life of Jesus? And what Jesus is showing us is that in verse 12 is that we look for religion that gives salvation by us judging the bad. We want the judge, the bad, maybe in the United States of America, wherever you're thinking about it, uh, whereas Jesus says to us, if I came down in violence, then I would win the battle and I'd lose you because in actual facts, you'd be in the firing line. You don't even live up to your own standards. Well, maybe you all do, but I certainly don't. So if he comes down in that fiery way, I'm going to be judged. Does that make sense? And that's what's going to happen. Instead, Jesus says, I come down in a different way. I come down and the judgment of God is here, but it comes down on me. The ones that understand that they, have, they would be judged unless Jesus was judged uh, get it really right. Now Jesus is saying that the person with the biggest moral failure on the face of this earth, standing in his presence, in a right relationship with him through his Easter, is more beautiful, more exciting to God than the greatest person standing in their own goodness. We need to get that. I love that statement. I know where I'm at then. Understanding Jesus and what he's done makes us brilliant just like him in our own father's eyes. God sees us as brilliant just like he sees his son as brilliant. Jesus is saying that only the deaf and the blind experience him as he really is. When we say we're blind, then we can see. When we say we're deaf, well, then we can hear. I'll say it again. Jesus is absolutely brilliant. And Paul says about all of this, I'm not afraid of the gospel for it's the power of God for our salvation, for our wholeness. It's the good news. Historically, it's come. Historically, the kingdom is growing now because we've been judged in Jesus. Christianity, then, I want to say to you this morning, is exclusive because it works. It deals with our sin. It deals with all of that stuff. It brings in a new historical kingdom which is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow until Jesus comes back. It's not ideas, but it's actions. And the poor, the violent, and the least get that. Historically, Jesus has brought down a kingdom from headquarters that we live in now. For those of us at the start of 21 who are beginning to wonder about whether he is the Messiah or not, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And even when God does not meet our expectation, we can be confident that he's fulfilling his promises at the same time. The supreme argument for Christ is not intellectual debate, but experience of his changing power. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you are able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts 
and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.